Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Uh, Today's Bible reading is taken from uh, Matthew chapter 4, verses uh, 12 to 20, well, 25. Um, When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. The land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of the shadow of death a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake and they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once he left, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill because uh, uh, ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Clive. Thanks, uh, Eve. Good morning, St. George's. How are you doing? I wonder if I could uh, start with a question. What's the best invitation that you've ever received? Have a think. Don't worry, it's not going to be a quiz. I'm not going to test you or anything. Uh, Yesterday, I asked my wife, Amanda, this question. Uh, My wonderful wife of 26 years, I said, darling, what's the best invitation that you have ever received? And she thought, and she thought... And then her eyes lit up and she looked at me and she said, yes, that time that I was invited to enter a competition to win a lawnmower. (laughs) So in protest, on the screen is a picture from our wedding. Um, And uh, because I'd like to think that my proposal of marriage to her was one of the best invitations that she ever received. Yes, that guy is me. I've suffered from hair loss uh, since then. Another great invitation that we received, uh, Amanda was once invited 
to go to Buckingham Palace to meet the Queen, and I was invited to go with her. So that says in Buckingham Palace, you're not supposed to take pictures in Buckingham Palace, but somebody did take a picture, so we've got a lovely record of that. But if I had to name the most life-changing invitation I ever received, it was something that happened during my time as a student. When some of my friends on my course invited me to explore Christianity. And I wonder if I may tell you a little bit of that story. I wasn't brought up religious. My parents divorced when I was young. My dad was an alcoholic. My mum had long since stopped going to church. When I was at primary school, there was an occasion once when I was being bullied. And uh, one day, during play, in the playground, I felt God speak to me. And it was as if God said to me, Christian, you're unhappy now, but when you're older, you'll be very happy. And that's proved to be true. And I can't tell you how I knew, but deep down, I knew that the God, who I hadn't even investigated or explored, I didn't know anything about God, I felt that God was speaking to me. I wanted to mention that this morning because actually I found in talking to people that a lot of people who aren't religious have had an experience of God. Let me give you another example, a really old one. I worked for a college called St. Hild, and, and Hilda, uh, Hilda's mother, who, who founded the college in, oh, I should know, seventh, sixth century, Hilda's mother, who founded the college, um, she had a vision that her daughter would be like a jewel through which a bright light would shine and illuminate the whole nation. And it was a picture that proved to be true of the leadership and the pioneering that her daughter would bring to the nation. So have you ever heard from God? Maybe you've never told anyone about it. Did you have a dream? Did you feel like God spoke to you once and said something about your life? And I believe this is possible because I believe there's a God that loves each one of us, like the best of parents. And I think we can take steps to discover this God by learning about Jesus. Now, let me go back to my story. Um, when I went to university, I was actually really sad. So sorry for those of you that have just started university. I'm sure you're happy, but I was sad. Um, and um, one of the things uh, that didn't help was people kept saying to me all the time, these will be the best years of your life. And I thought, oh, really? <laughs> I don't feel great. And these are the best. So it's going to get worse from here on in. And uh, when I was at Sixth Form College, I was one of the smartest guys in my year group. I was a bit of a maths geek. And I went to study maths at university, and I found myself well below average in my maths group. I had three friends with photographic memories who never needed to write notes, because they would just look at your notes and go, got it. And they never needed to revise. Imagine how depressing and frustrating um, <laughs> that was. Um, but I had this other group of friends on my course, and they were Christians. And they were some of the nicest people that you could ever meet. And to shorten the story, these friends invited me to join them for their weekly group. It was very simple. They'd meet on Wednesdays. They'd have lunch together. They'd read a passage from the Bible. And then everyone got to say what they think or maybe ask questions. And then last of all, they'd just pray for 
each other and for anyone that they knew of that had a, a need or a, a, a problem. And they kept notes in a notebook of the things that they prayed for. And I, I can't remember everything, but I do remember once we prayed for Tim, who was in the room, and Tim said he'd been having trouble sleeping. And so we just prayed for Tim. And then the next week when we came back, somebody got the notebook out and said, Tim, how you, we prayed for sleeping, how are you doing? He said, it's been brilliant, I've, pray, I've slept fine ever since. And to be honest, we never saw anything like miraculous. We never saw anything that you'd go, wow, what an incredible story. But through the process of that group, through listening and learning and through our prayers and then noting sometimes the prayers had an answer, I felt as if we weren't just talking about God, but that we were beginning to discover God. I was encountering God. It was becoming real for me. And a few months later, I was in another meeting, and the speaker there asked, is there anyone here who would like to take a first step to follow Jesus? And that was me in that meeting. And I said yes in that meeting to choosing to follow Jesus, to begin that journey of learning what it means. And that was May the 10th, 1988. And it was the best invitation that I ever received. And I think it's the best decision that I ever made. Uh, Eve introduced me. I'm Christian Selvratnam. Uh, I'm a friend to this church, though I'm, I'm not here because I live in York. I go to a church in York and I teach at a theological college. And also, before we carry on, I want to just let you know that I have a purpose in my talk today. Because later on, I'm going to ask you if you want to take a step forward to following Jesus, perhaps beginning to find out more, it's already been mentioned, maybe attending uh, Alpha, which is, is kind of like that small group that I started attending 35 years ago. Or maybe today you're ready to say yes to follow Jesus and to take that next step, or it might even be getting baptized. Now in our reading, Jesus has just been baptized by his cousin John, He's been tested for 40 days in the desert. He's been disappointed because his cousin John gets arrested and later John will be uh, beheaded and killed. Nevertheless, Jesus' life is, is overflowing with promise for other people. In the reading we just heard, which was taken from a, a book in the Bible called Matthew, Matthew, the writer of that book, quotes a person from the Old Testament Isaiah, something written 700 years previous, and he applies it to Jesus. He says this, Jesus, this person here, will help people who are in darkness to find light. Jesus will reach out to people who feel like they are in the shadow of death so that they can say, a light has dawned in my life. I wonder if we might just pick out a few things from this reading that might speak to this idea of what does it look and feel like to experience more of Jesus. And the first thing is this. Jesus invites us to think differently. He says this, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Another translation might phrase that like this. It's time to think differently because God has come close to your life. 
When I made that step 35 years ago that I told you about, one of the first things I learned was that God could forgive my sins, all my faults and mistakes, my weaknesses and my failures, and God could remit those and in its place give me peace and contentment because indeed I am very happy. That prophecy from God, I believe, has proved to be true in my life. And, and the old prayer puts it like this, when we'd say, God, we've sinned against you in, and other people in thoughts, words, actions, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. And the word repent is a word of change, but it really means think differently. And that's what happened when I joined my friends in their Wednesday meeting. I listened to the Bible, I listened to my friends, sometimes I asked questions, and it felt like as we prayed and as we listened to God, I was beginning to inform my mind. I was beginning to understand and believe different things, and it also led to me repenting of saying sorry for my faults and receiving forgiveness. And in the reading, Jesus is traveling from town to town, and he's talking about God. In the reading, it's described as the the kingdom of heaven. And he's asking people to listen to him. He wants them to explore and discover what he's talking about for themselves. It's an invitation. He's saying, God is close to your life. It's time to think and act differently. The next step, I think, is that Jesus invites people to follow him. And the first people he meets are the two brothers, Simon and Andrew, and they're running a fishing fishing business. And Jesus says to them, come and follow me. And this was a type of invitation that was known about at the time. Uh, A a rabbi, uh, which means a teacher, uh, uh, an important, notable religious leader, might invite younger students to follow after them. Uh, Years later, another rabbi called Ben Yoza, a third century Jewish rabbi, would describe this process as like being covered in your teacher's dust. That is that you would get so close to your mentor that even the dust that they kicked up from their shoes would land on your feet. But here's the thing. Important rabbis would only choose the best of the best of people to follow them. I think we can all imagine people that God might call. I think often we imagine that God calls perfect people. Um, You know, people that are nicer than God. Um, Or, that was funny when I wrote that down. Um, People that are nicer than God. Or maybe people who are notoriously bad. Perhaps people who are in prison and we think, yes, yes, they they definitely need to, to meet with God. God might help them. Or perhaps like the people in the reading, people who have big needs. They're the people that are walking in darkness and the shadow of the valley of death. And I wonder if we don't feel we're in one of those extreme groups of people that we sort of exclude ourselves. But when we see Jesus calling Simon and Andrew, and then later James and John, and then later many other names of people, I think it tells me that Jesus is interested in all people. Not the terrible of terrible, not the best of the best, not the neediest of the neediest. Yes, those groups, of course, 
but actually the rest of us who might just feel, well, I'm just a, I'm just a normal, I'm an average, I'm an ordinary person. And it's so easy to exclude ourselves. Simon and Andrew were ordinary, working-class men, probably not educated, quite probably not even able to read, probably not financially wealthy, running a, a basic business, and probably not someone that an important rabbi of the day would call. But Jesus did call them. And just to make it more interesting, we learn later in the Bible that the two others that are named, James and John, have a nickname. Do you know what the nickname is? Sons of Thunder, which I think suggests a lot about their character. I think that's a nice way of saying these are two brothers who are absolute hotheads, people with a temper. Perhaps even they were violent, perhaps the kind of people you would involve, uh, you would avoid on a night out. And yet, a few years later, these ordinary, flawed people like Simon, James, and John are invited by Jesus to accompany him to a mountaintop when he is transfigured, when they see this amazing vision that he is God in human form. And this is important because Jesus invites all kinds of people to follow him, not just bad people, not just really nice people, not just people who need help, all kinds of people like me and like you. And we are all invited to experience the kingdom of God in our lives. And the invitation is to get close, close enough to hear his words, close enough to ask questions, close enough even to catch the dust that's kicked up by his shoes. Now, did you notice, though, that Jesus seems to go a bit further? He tells the fishermen, I will make you fish for people, which is an interesting statement, isn't it? We might imagine that the Jesus invitation is one where we're, we're told, okay, you, you need to get religious now, so you need to quit your life, and you need to go and live on top of a mountaintop. Uh, you've got to leave your normal life, the life you have, and you've now got to have this religious, a special life. Um, the kingdom of heaven is near, and so maybe that's what we go and join. Maybe we have to leave our family or our friends or our job to experience this kingdom of heaven, which sounds amazing, but it's, it's off over there somewhere. I once heard about a religious monk that spent 30 years living on the top of, his, of a pole discovering Jesus. Now, honestly, to me, that sounds a bit weird. I mean, it's really odd. And I'm not attracted to that idea. I don't, I, I don't think I want to go and discover that kind of kingdom of God or religious experience. So when we hear Jesus say to the fishermen, I will make you fish for people, what is he telling us? I think he's saying this. I think he's saying the kingdom of heaven has come close to your life, your actual real life, the one you live, to your world, to your kingdom. And then Jesus is a kind of master communicator who's trying to find the words to explain it. And because the people in front of him were fishermen, he's saying, okay, I can, I can put it like this. This will make perfect sense to you because you're fishermen. I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. A perfect understanding. He wanted the kingdom of God to be in their actual life and worked out through it. 
I wonder what you do. What's your life? What might Jesus say to you in the same vein? If you were a school teacher, might he say, I want you to now teach the greatest of truths. Perhaps you're a delivery driver. We've all got to know our delivery drivers post-COVID, haven't we? Perhaps to a delivery driver, he'll say, I'm going to help you deliver the good news to people. If you're a nurse, you're going to learn from the greatest of healers. If you're an accountant, he might say, I'm going to train you how to multiply kingdom resources. If your work is to care for children, he might say, let the children discover me and I'll show you how to do it. If you're a student, he might say, let me teach you about the kingdom of God. Whatever your work, your life, whatever you do, Jesus isn't saying, leave it and go to heaven. He's saying, I'm close to you and I want to come into your life to bring God closer to other people that you know. And so the result is this, that Jesus wants to send us out. Just as the Father sent Jesus on a mission, uh, which is called the kingdom of God in our reading, Jesus sends us back to our lives to live and work for him. And later in this reading, Jesus commissions Simon and Andrew and James and John and many others to go and do exactly what he had been doing walking the earth. To go and say to people, it's time to think differently. God is close to your life. To commission people that whatever it is that you are or do, God wants the kingdom of heaven to come to your life and through your life to the people that you know. And this is the invitation to experience Jesus. Jesus' invitation to us is also an invitation for us to invite others. God loves you, God loves me, and he loves other people, and he's calling other people through our lives. Now before we end, might we note quickly one more thing that comes up in this passage. Jesus healed diseases, set people free from torment, darkness, and he did miraculous things. And as challenging as it sounds, I wonder if that's part of the package. We read in the rest of the New Testament that Jesus' followers repeated his message. They went on to call others and that sometimes miraculous and healing things happened. And if God is the same today as he was then, shouldn't we be open to the same? Now, of course, only God can heal people And it's Jesus that's the light for people who are in darkness. But maybe we get to be a mirror. Or maybe we get to be just a part of the process. And of course, we'll never know unless we're open to God working in this way. Can I tell you one story? And it it relates to Alpha, which has been mentioned already um, today, and I've mentioned it myself. About eight years ago, my church in York was also running uh, Alpha. It was going to run in a coffee shop. And the weekend before we ran Alpha, we had a night of uh, prayer. And lots of people prayed, and we prayed. uh, Some prayed all the night, and some just for an hour or so. And we prayed for more of God's kingdom in our city. And on the first night of Alpha, I was on the welcome desk, and I met two students who seemed a bit confused about why they were there, but they were very keen to be involved, and they really enjoyed the course, and in fact, so much so that a few months later, I got to baptize them both as new followers of Jesus. 
Um, uh, and a few weeks later, a few weeks into the course, after I first met them, I heard the full story. And one of the students said this. She said, oh, the night before we came, I had a dream. And in the dream, I saw myself leave where I lived in my student accommodation and walk into town and to walk to a certain coffee shop and to go into the coffee shop and through it to the back. And I found the door that led uh, the stairs upstairs. And I went into an upstairs room. And when I saw, went into the room, it became a bright light. And I knew that if I went there, I would find the answers to the questions that I was asking. And so she asked her neck, she told the dream to her best friend, and she and the best friend just retraced that dream. And that's how they came to come on Alpha. What an incredible story of God calling people. Friends, how might you respond today? Are you at the beginning, interested in find out more, finding out more about Jesus and what it means to follow him? Why don't you sign up for Alpha? Why don't you start coming to this church? Why don't you try church and, and begin to explore what it means to hear and understand about Jesus, like I did and the people that we've read about in that passage? Or perhaps like I was 35 years ago, you're ready to say yes to start to follow him. Could I or someone from this church help you make that important step today? It might even involve getting baptized. We could tell you what that means. Or maybe you want to know what it means to have the kingdom of God working through your life. Like Jesus said to the fishermen, I will teach you to fish for people. What might that look like in your life where you live with the people you know, where you work, or where you study? And St. George's, what would it what might it look like if we all did this? If increasingly this church was a place where people got to hear for the first time that God loves them and has a plan for their life. Where people were invited and helped practically how to discover and follow Jesus. To understand what it means to experience him. And a place where all of us are passionate about seeing the kingdom of God in our lives worked out through where we live, where we work, and where we study. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.